Welcome back to the 48 Men Podcast. Today I have Brett Phillips on the podcast, and Brett is just an awesome human. He is a husband, a two-way player for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm so happy for him to be on the podcast today. <laughs> Christian, what's up, brother? First of all, thanks for having me. Super pumped to be talking about things that I'm passionate about. My faith, working out, and you threw in two-way player. Everyone knows me as a two-way player, so We'll definitely have to talk about that too. But man, thanks for having me. Man, well, seriously, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, I, I heard you in the interview um, kind of joke about being a two-way player, and I was I definitely have to introduce him as a two-way player. That was pro right there. You're doing your research. Thank you. Well, I, I do want to ask you about that because that was just a few weeks ago that you pitched against the Angels, and um, Mike Trout hit a uh, about a 410-foot home run off of you. Uh, so in what situations do you get brought in to pitch? And, um, because it, it's, it's a pretty hilarious thing to yeah. watch you get up there and pitch. You know, so over a course of 162 games, games like that are going to happen where we're getting blown out. You know, we, uh, we just didn't show up that night. It's not like football where you have to wait another week to get back out there. And so Kevin Cash comes up to me and he's like, hey, you want to throw to Mike Trout? I was like, let's let's go get him. And obviously, everyone's like, why didn't you throw hard? You know, I'm not a pitcher, and I'm not trying to get hurt. So I just went out there, lobbed it, and it's super impressive that I hit the ball that far off of 48 miles an hour. I don't know if you've been to, like, the local batting cages where, you know, they're throwing the, the rainbows at you. Uh-huh. It's the hardest thing to hit, and he made it look easy as what he does to everyone. So I didn't feel that bad. But I'm just super glad I kept Shohei Otani in the park. Did you, did you know that, that the ball was gone when he hit it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right when – I mean, those guys, if they, if they make good contact with good trajectory, most of the time, you know, it's going out. And he was laughing. I've never met Mike, but he's one of my favorite players. And as he's walking up to the plate, he smiles at me. And I just knew. Yeah. He's – probably gonna take me deep you just knew something was gonna happen so mike trout smiling at me let's be honest he's the best player in the game probably something's gonna happen yeah well i love i love the motion that you had too is that something that you've practiced because i mean i'm sure i mean can do, do you stand in the mirror and watch yourself like practice that motion or is that something that that somebody taught you or where, where does that where does that come from so last season when i pitched the blue jays and I have guys coming up like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who can hit the ball 120 miles an hour. I was not trying to do the regular pitching motion where I was going to get like squared up in the back. So that like forward motion is when I throw it, it gives me enough time to just be in a good ready position just in case one of those dudes smokes one right back at me. Like I already have my glove up. Yeah, that's actually super smart. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I have a high school level education, so if he hit it, if he hit it one twenty back up the middle, do you think that you would actually have enough time to react, though? Not at all. Just as long as my glove is in front of my face, there you go. Then I can take it anywhere else in my body. But I mean, one hundred and twenty to the nose—that's going to be a long recovery time. You would maybe never pitch one. again if you took one twenty to the nose. <laughs> yeah, you might as well just cart me off. Oh my gosh! Well. Um, you know, something that I love about you, um, cause me and me and my wife were actually watching the game. It wasn't last year, it was two years ago, right? When you, when you hit the walk-off. Two years ago, 2020. Yeah, yep. yeah 2020. Yeah, I thought it was 2020, but we, yeah, we were watching that game and we were, 
we were freaking out when that happened. I know, and I know that somebody else who was freaking out was you. Um, so walking up to the plate, you know, two outs. What, what were you thinking? Were you nervous? Were you were you calm? Because you seem pretty calm. And even I, I will say, the second pitch that was called a strike, I don't think it was a strike. But it was a ball. It, it, it was definitely outside. But you know what? I were mean, you thinking? Kenley Jansen's gonna get that. What were you thinking? You know, with two outs, two strikes. This is probably the biggest moment career-wise of your life, um, and you seem super calm. Man, I'm going to tell you a cool story that I think you're going to love. So the circumstances leading up to that at-bat, I was left off the roster in the ALCS. I hadn't had an at-bat in two weeks. I hadn't had a hit in a month. And I was strictly on the roster during that World Series was to play defense and and a base run, essentially. So as the game was going on, I see we're using guys left and right off the bench. And in the eighth inning, I go in to pinch run for G-Man Choi. And so after the inning, I go out to right field. Usually when you pinch run for a guy, you're going in like the eight or nine spot in the lineup because he just hit. So I wasn't thinking about hitting at all. We're down one run at the time. So if it got to me, the game would be over if I was like in the eight or nine spot. So as I'm coming in, Hoover, one of our coaches says, hey, you're up fifth. You're going to win this game for us. And I'm I, I like, and the, on the outside, I was like, heck yeah, I am. But on the inside, it's like, this man crazy? <laughs> like, I haven't had an at-bat in two weeks. What do you mean? So I go down in the cage and I'm taking BP, just getting loose. Now, every other situation I've been in where I've pinch hit, I get this like performance anxiety, I call it, where everything is just sped up, right? Like my heart is super fast. I'm in between breaths and I never feel that anywhere else but when I'm in front of 30,000 fans and I'm sitting on deck and I have to pinch hit. And so during that moment, I'm in this the, the on-deck circle. Randy Arena. he's had a great playoff series, so you know he's getting on base. And I recite my favorite Bible verse. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your Lord. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I kid you not, Christian, I felt just this calmness come over me Wow. where I was just like, oh, this is different. I'm almost searching for the feeling of that performance anxiety because it's all gone. Yeah. And walking up to the plate, I was just like, swing the bat, like, you're good. You're fine. I've got, and so I'm in the box. And like you said, strike one, strike two, questionable was not phased at all. Yeah. Just this calmness was over me. It felt different. And sure enough, made contact, which was, I was super surprised about running down to first base. I was like, no way. I just made contact. (laughs) And the rest was history. You know, Taylor makes an error. And then Will Smith, the catcher, makes an error. And I always tell everyone, 100% God had his hand on me in that moment because that is peak focus. You're talking about the World Series where you have two outs, down by one run, man on first and second. Everyone is focused on that play. And then you have two errors that just don't happen. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy because, like you said, you were down one run. Taylor makes the error. So one run scores. And then, um, what's his name? Uh, the guy, Yeah, he, yep. he, he, he trips. He trips rounding third. So then he would have gotten in a rundown if 
if Taylor caught the ball, but then he missed it. So then, he, so it really was like such a crazy God thing. Cause like I said, it's the world series. Everybody's like, you know, in the zone, two errors and then kind of like a base running error all in the span of like 10 seconds and y'all win the game. Like it's, it, 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 it's crazy. It'll go down as one of, or it is one of the most improbable of any sports that like in a champ or world series or a super bowl like that has ever happened and all the glory to god i said it in my interview just what a special moment and for those who don't know the story two months prior i was in kansas city i wasn't playing i didn't know what the future of my baseball career looked like at the time and i actually got traded at the deadline and you know to tampa bay my hometown team and I got to play in the World Series, and that moment happens. I know we didn't win the World Series, but to have that, it really propelled my confidence and to where I'm at in my career now. Yeah, after that moment, did you know that life would be different in the sense of like, you know, that is that is a, a marker of what people were gonna were gonna know you as. It's really cool to have a moment like that because before that Christian I was just known as the really funny guy who's got a funny laugh you know he's always happy and he's always nice which is great don't get me wrong but I'm a major league baseball player it would you know it'd be nice to be known for cool moments like walk-off hits in the world series or you know hitting home runs and stuff so I really bridged the gap of the funny guy yeah. And hey, he can actually play too. Yeah. Almost like that. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. There you go. <laughs> well, something that I heard you do, and, and, and I love it so much, um, you know, before games, they, uh, you come out 20 minutes before and you, you talk to fans and you sign autographs. And, um, you know, a lot of people say that you're the only one that's ever been that intentional about it. So, where does that come from? You know, why do you have such a heart for, uh, for fans and for people? Um, you know, on just a human level. No, I appreciate that. First of all, fans are the most important part of this important part of this game. Yeah. You know, without fans, sports would not be anything in general. You'd just have a bunch of talent in some backfields and, you know, it'd be competitive, but it wouldn't be fun. Fans make this game great. And Christian, I grew up 20 minutes from the trop. I grew up a Tampa Bay Rays fan and I knew what it was like to go up there to the trop and enjoy a game. And the only thing I wanted to do when I was a kid was to talk to a baseball player, was to get an autograph. And here I am 20 years later in a position to be able to remember that and give back to the next generation. I just care about people and I want the next generation. If there's one kid who becomes a major league baseball player, he'll remember how Brett Phillips treated him as, as, as a kid and he'll want to do the same. Yeah. That's so that, that's so special. And I do think that, yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I grew up, um, you know, we were kind of closer to Atlanta. So we grew up going to Braves games. I remember we sat in a in a stand and um, I think I got a foul ball from Brian McCann and then my brother got one from Chipper Jones. So it was just, it, it was a cool moment. Obviously they didn't sign them or anything, but um, yeah, just being a kid going to that, you know, ballpark, you know, all you wanted to do is just meet a baseball player and, f- and for you to be that intentional about it, it's really special. And it's something that you remember. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like you remember the names of those players who you got a foul ball from. Yeah. And 
they're they're coming out there to support us. The least I can do is take 20 minutes to support them, give them an autograph, say hello. Yeah. I wish I wish I wish more people thought like that for sure. It's really cool. Well, you can throw 104 miles an hour from the outfield and hit home runs. So, you know, to perform at, at such a high level like that, what kind of training goes into be able to do that for you? Yeah, so first of all, I've I've been doing this my whole life. Baseball has obviously growing up I played other sports. I played football in high school, but baseball has always been my first love. Talk about 104 miles an hour from the outfield. Good throwing routine from from the age of eight, nine years old. Coach had us out there long tossing. I know you're familiar with that, but having a good throwing routine and then, you know, now as a major league baseball player, it's a responsibility in the off seasons to, to get after it, to prepare your body for over a course of 162 games. It starts with Monday through Friday. I, I'll take a couple weeks off after the season ends and then I'm, I'm right to it. My, and my wife likes to work out, which makes it that much more enjoyable. We get to do it together. So routine looks like this. I wake up, we'll wake up around nine and uh, get coffee, have breakfast, you know, hang out, get some quality time in, and then we'll head to the gym. Whatever that day workout may be, whether it's, you know, Monday chests and tries with core, um, Tuesday back and buys with core, Wednesday legs, and then, you know, shoulders repeat that throughout the week. And then after working out, I'll head and do my baseball stuff, hitting, throwing, fielding. It's nonstop every single day, Monday through Friday. And then at night, I end it with some hot yoga, something that I picked up a couple years back and I just absolutely love it. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in hot yoga, what it does for my body with flexibility, injury prevention, all those great things. And uh, yeah, so that's just a, a, a little um, sample of what allows me to sustain 104, allows me to sustain hitting homers and you know throughout a course of a season. Yeah, no, I've never done hot yoga. I've heard great things about it. We uh, don't have it here in West Monroe, Louisiana that I'm aware of, but I want to hop on the train one day because I've, I've heard great things about it. Listen, you come see me. I'll take you through a hot yoga class. We'll go up there. It is by far the hardest thing that you will probably experience. Really? And I say that humbly because, listen, I've done it all. I've done CrossFit. I've done a, a bunch of different type of workouts but when you're holding a pose, I don't know how flexible you are. See, that's the problem. Myself, I'm not flexible at all. Not flexible at all. And you're holding a pose in a 100-degree you know, yoga room. It's hot. You're sweating. You have to find it in yourself to slow everything down, to really just get into that, that stretch and hold it. And you'll find yourself burning five, 600 calories in an hour session. I'm not even wow. lying. It's a... Uh, it's a heck of a workout. Um, it, it'll be me and you and about 12 other middle-aged women who are having a great time. They're just enjoying it, and you're going to be like, oh, there's there's no judgment, but you're going to be judging yourself like, I, you got to be better. You got to be better than this. Hey, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. <laughs> A hundred percent. You're gonna come. You're gonna come do some hot yoga with me. Do you ever do the uh, the cold tub plunge stuff? Yeah. So every day after the game, I'm big con. I'm a big contrast yeah. uh, fan. I, I I think it's great for inflammation, uh, reducing inflammation. Uh, after, right after the game, if I start that night, I'll start like two minutes in the hot tub, which is like 105 to 110 degrees, and then from there I'll go do four minutes in in 
like 50 degree, like a cold tub. Yeah. And then I'll go back in the hot tub for a few minutes and then end in the cold. But going home, like, I mean, because we play 162, your body is wrenched throughout a course of a season. Yeah. Just every single day, you know, the grind and the wear and tear. So things like that, the little you know, things that you can do to reduce inflammation, no matter how much it sucks, because you and I both know that cold tub is brutal, but it's very good for your body. Yeah. See, I know it's great. Yeah. But it's just, I, I, uh, I struggle with it because it's, it's very, it's very difficult. And I, I have a, I don't have a breathing problem. I have like a deviated septum and Sadie always says that I have like, I, I just can't breathe really good. So when I get in the cold yeah. tub, I have such a hard time breathing and it just drives, it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's those first initial minute and a half. I tell everyone, just get through the minute of the half. Try and slow your breath down. Slow that heart rate down. I know for you, just because you just told me having a breathing issue, I mean, if you have to mouth breathe it super slow, mouth yeah. breathe it super slow. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to, because this is a super interesting st- uh, statistic, and I'm not sure if, 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 if you know it, you, you probably do, but do you know that you have beaten Babe Ruth in a, uh, in, in a, in a, like a, I guess a world record, I guess you could say? Yeah. So I was, I was, I was going to read it. Yeah. So between July 29th and August 11th, 2021, you hit three grand slams. Then on August 16th, you hit an inside the park home run. And this combination of grand slams and, and an inside the park home run in 19 days broke the previous record held by Babe Ruth, which was 20, 36. That's pretty crazy. Man, God's got God's got his name written all over that one. He's got a crazy sense of humor. Let me tell you what, I had no idea what was even going on. They they called after the third Grand Slam I hit and said, hey, do you know that you just beat Babe Ruth's record that's been standing for close to 100 years? And I said, please, just I know that I beat his record, but put me second like my yeah. name above like Babe Ruth in anything does not sound <laughs> Brett Phillips Babe Ruth like does not sound right at all they were laughing but man just crazy moments like that we talked about the World Series having a moment like that and then beating Babe Ruth's record having no idea it's just it's really cool to like I said to be bridging the gap of that just fun nice player with that good player and I don't know, I, I feel like you just don't have that that connection with guys um, throughout sports in general. Yeah. You know, the superstars, you, they're, they're never accessible. You, you, you never really get to, you know, and then the nice guys and, you know, the funny guys. So, again, just trying to enjoy myself. I'm so blessed to be able to play Major League Baseball. And uh, to have moments like that is just makes it so much more worth it. Yeah, it really is crazy because most people don't hit three grand slams in their whole career, and you did it in like I don't know, fourteen, fifteen days. I mean, it's crazy. And you have to you have to give credit where credit is due, right? Grand slams are hit because your teammates did their job. Yeah. They got on base for you, and you you just happen to come up. You know, guys may not even come up at all with the bases loaded throughout a course of a season, which sounds crazy as it is. And I came up in nineteen days with the bases loaded more than three times. Yeah. And so that moment, those moments, you know, they, they have to be primed. Like guys have to do their job for that to happen. So just really cool to, to, to have that moment. Yeah. 
I mean, that, it, 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 it really is crazy because I played baseball growing up. I don't know if I ever hit one grand slam, let alone three, <laughs> in the span of 19 days. Um, well, yeah, so we've, you know, we've talked a lot about baseball, and you play Major League Baseball. Um, you know, as a follower of Jesus in a sport like baseball, um, you know, how do you train yourself spiritually? You know, how do you, how do you focus on your faith, and how do you maintain that relationship in a sport that is so time-consuming? You know, we talked about 162 games, you know, workouts, traveling, you know, you're married now. How do you, how do you, how do you prioritize your faith with all that going on? Yeah, that's a great question. And it starts with community. First, I want to touch on the community at the field. I always tell everyone what makes the Tampa Bay Rays so great is we lead the league in guys attending baseball chapel on Sunday. Wow. We've got like half the team that come in. And it's so funny because every time I'll get to a baseball chapel a little early when we're on the road and there'll be a, a chaplain for the first time that is speaking to the Tampa Bay Rays and we just have guys coming in one by one, right? And I just see the chaplain's face just light up. And every single time, 10 out of 10 times, the chaplain's gonna say, wow, this is, this is a lot of guys. You know, we have such a great group of guys who love the Lord, who love to play this game. And when you're at the field, you feel that, right? You yeah. know that, hey, you're not in this alone. You have guys praying for you. You have, you have guys picking each other up. I mean, it is just so amazing to be a part of. And you can't say that for, <clears throat> obviously, <laughs> I've been on other teams and, and, and it's been different. You know, I've, I've had the other side where there's a couple guys who go to chapel and you've got the, you know, it's, it's just a different vibe. So community at the field. Now, my wife, my wife and I, She's my number one supporter, literally the calmness to my storm, the backbone of this crazy world, that this craziness that, that we live in. Being a Major League Baseball player, it, 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 it's, it's very rewarding, but it's tough. We're on the road. You know, we, we're, we're gone most of the year. We're, we're grinding. I'm at the field at, for a 7 o'clock game. I, I, I'm at the field at 1 o'clock. So the time away from your, your wife or your significant other is is a lot and you have to have a foundation you each both have to have a foundation and obviously for for us like i said brie having a solid foundation in in her faith and you know we come together and she's praying for me we pray together and that that makes my season way better right now i'm actually struggling at the plate hard and every single night, you know, she's encouraging me, picking me up, praying for me. Man, you do not know how good that feels when you've got everyone else roasting you on Twitter and social media, telling you you're not good enough. Hey, it doesn't matter. You know, God's got me, my wife, she's praying for me. And so that, you know, that makes it all better. And then third thing, third thing with community is my mentors and just my friends, people around me who are constantly texting me, Christian, man, Hey, I know you're grinding. I know you're struggling, but I'm praying for you. It's going to be all good, man. Sending me scripture, picking me up. For, for me, it, it just makes the, the grind of the season, the suck, the, the poor performances. Like I find myself, because I'm human, like, man, I got to be better. I, I got to, but it, I, and then I, I get a text or my wife, to, like, no, you don't. Like it's a are you doing everything you can to be the best that you can be? 
Are you working hard? Are you showing up with a good attitude? Are you being a good teammate? Are you trusting in the Lord? Like those are the things that you can control. Everything else is is out of your control. It's nonsense. And that's that like human element of fight, wanting to fight, right? Your yeah. flesh to to want to be and to want to to perform you want to perform so bad for everyone but at the end of the day it's taking a step back so i know that was a long-winded answer but that is what makes a season way better yeah for sure no that's because I, I, community really is man like if you get a good community of guys you know guys specifically around you that you can you know talk through things with uplift one another confess things with one another and really just do life with that's how we were wired, you know, to be to, to be in community with other believers. And it really it really is so special to have that bond with people and, and your faith grows and, and all those different things. It's yeah, I think people sometimes neglect that that community aspect of being with other other believers. A hundred percent. Just picking each other up, you know, that praying for each other, encouraging. It's it's what it comes down to. Yeah. So did you grow up a believer or did, was there something in your life that, you know, you kind of had a, had a moment? Yeah, so mom had my sister and I in uh, Christian school through fourth grade. And I got my taste of God and the Bible through VeggieTales. I don't know. Did you, did you yes, watch yeah, VeggieTales Veggie growing up? So uh-huh. people listening who don't know VeggieTales, it was an animated cartoon show that projected Bible stories in uh, the form of vegetables. And as a kid, I thought it was so cool that whoever <clears throat> was followed God and who the vegetables who were, were good friends and loved and respected, they always came out on top, right? They always won. And I could relate that to as a kid, I just always wanted to win. And so as I got older and I matured in my faith, it was in seventh grade, I had the background of the Bible, and then you introduce this guy, Jesus, right? The son of God who I accepted into my life in seventh grade and tied it all together. And from there, I just always had, you know, a relationship with God. I always felt that I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to love and respect people and just love how we're called to love and how I've watched my life play out from that just the coolest stories ever stories that could only be you know given from god all the you know just stuff like the world series hit happening that's only through a god thing that and that is what i feel in my heart and that is what i believe and i i just feel so blessed to have had a relationship for so long with god because man he has showed up for me more times than not yeah man that's 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 so awesome (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, something I want to, it, it's, it's kind of spiritual, but also kind of just, you know, human in a, you know, in a way, how do you get to a point where, you know, because we kind of talked about, you know, training yourself through mentors, through community, your wife, how do you get to a point where on a game where you don't, you know, perform the way that you would like to perform, how do you, you know, still be able to, you know, talk to fans, do interviews and not let that, you know, outside world the the performance kind of dictate you know because obviously i'm sure it's a struggle at times but how do you how do you get to a point where you know you don't let those things get to you in in that sense and you're still you know the same extrovert breath that you are 20 minutes before the game it's it starts from from my childhood 
I had never felt pressure from my parents to perform. That's awesome. When I, when I got home from a game, whether I did good or bad, my mom or dad never, not once, I can remember them saying, what was that? What were you doing? Why did you strike out? They never tried to be the coach. It was always positive encouragement. And so honestly, from a young age, I just never developed, I guess, the habit to put so much pressure on myself to perform. And yeah. as I as I grew and matured, and as I got older, as the competition arise, I just realized that the, the worrying of, or just taking care of the things that I can control. And I know I touched on it earlier, but that's what it boils down to. When I go to the field, having that routine where I know regardless of what's gonna, you know, my performance is, am I gonna stay healthy from that? Am I gonna do everything I can to be prepared for the game? Am I gonna, is it gonna help me stay healthy? Is it, is it gonna help me to perform, right? Like the work that we put in on a daily basis and how we treat people, when you think about it, is the only thing that we can control. And so yeah. after the game, I can, I can sit with that. I can be content and knowing I can look myself in the mirror and say, hey, I did everything I could leading up to that moment that I could to perform and it just didn't work out today. And we're gonna move forward. We're gonna keep your head, my head up and the net tomorrow is gonna be a new day. We're gonna, we're gonna bounce back and we're gonna do it again. And honestly, it started with how my parents instilled those you know, characteristics in, in myself from an early age. Yeah. How do you feel like having a foundation of faith like that has helped you in the sense of like, because, you know, if you get flack from, you know, social media, Twitter, all these different things, how do you feel like if you didn't have that foundation of faith to where, you know, if you were just living super worldly, how do you feel like <coughs> that would play out differently in your life? You know, because I feel like there is that strive to perform. There is that, you know, worrying about what people say, like, and I feel like the more you just focus on that, it can just weigh on you. And, it, and it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool to hear you talk because, you know, for me, something that I can sometimes struggle with is like the performance aspect. Like I'm a one on the Enneagram, so I'm like a perfectionist. I love yeah. to perform. I love things to be perfect. And sometimes my faith can struggle when, you know, things aren't fitting the certain criteria that I think it should sometimes fit. So it's really cool and refreshing to hear you talk about just the way that you do it because that's, that's something that I can sometimes struggle with. Yeah, so a lot of the times we associate success with like happiness, like you're right. Like your joy should come from, obviously for me, is my, my relationship with God has given me the joy to wake up each and every day and be almost excited to wanna just pour into people, love people, and also per, like work so hard in my in my routine where the results get you get to a point where the results really they just don't matter yeah. at all because at the end of the day it's 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 a it's a mindset but obviously you have this you have your relationship with God that you are controlling the only things in your life, which is, hey, you wake up, you know, you thank God, and you get after it. 
and you treat people with love and respect and throughout your day you just you just keep moving forward and you never think about the results that come from it good or bad like you you stay i always tell people your routine should kind of be a little boring in a, in a sense of you know where to show up each and every day and you know what to do because you've had you feel you feel joy from that but you've had success before so you know that it it, it works and yeah. i think that we try and want to do more right we want to be someone we're not but in reality it's like man i know i keep going back to it but it's just all out of your control and i yeah. i can relate to you right now man i'm i'm hitting like 150 as we speak and i feel my the flesh in me feels like only for a second because when i talk about it i feel god tell me yo you shouldn't be feeling like this this is not how how you should be feeling but because we're human i'm doing everything i can i'm working hard i'm putting but i'm not getting the results and the human and the, the flesh in me is saying well you know you got to be better right like you're not performing you're not good enough this but god is saying no right he's saying just just stay the course keep pouring into people put people before you work hard continue the boring routine that you're doing and regardless i got you you know and that is what i what i sit i sit in peace with and i just i'm convicted and i'm passionate about it so i can show up each and every day with a smile on my face regardless of my you know failures or whatnot because i'm not associating my my results with my daily routine yeah man that is so good i needed to hear that no seriously like that's <laughs> that's that that's so because it really is a spiritual maturity thing too you know like if you you reach a point where you you truly do like james says consider everything um or consider consider it pure joy when you face many trials like it it takes a spiritual maturity <coughs> to get to a point where you can actually look at life like that because for a lot of people you know even like speaking like and i'm saying like a lot this is a problem of mine um but the idea of like you, mine is mine is you know so you don't know, worry see, about see, it I, I, yeah. I say both of them, them a lot um but from a, a a practical standpoint you know you would associate when you hit three grand slams in 19 days that your faith was through the roof and then now hitting 150 your faith is kind of struggling you know so how do you get to a point where your faith is just as strong then as it is now? And, and it's really cool, you know, because it, it sounds like you've gotten to a point where it is, you know. We have fleshly temptations and we have, you know, the enemy. We have all these things that, that want to try to, you know, stray us away from, yeah. from the Lord. But if we have a solid foundation, then it's like, no, it's, it does not matter how I perform. But if I'm loving people and if I'm pursuing a relationship with Christ, then good things are going to come. And even, and even if they don't, he's still good. And it's not my job to perform super well, but it's my job to, you know, to be obedient to what he's called me to do. And it's just really cool, man. Like, all, like seriously. I mean, I'm reading Job. Job is one of my favorite books. Job, yeah. it, I love Job. And man, one thing that I, I sit with every single day, like God gives and God takes away and yeah. we must trust that he is good yeah. at the end of the day. What are we called to do, Christian? We're called to just love and respect. We've already accepted Christ into our life, but work hard, have fun, enjoy yourself. And, and you know, if God gives, you know, 
all the glory to him. God takes away all the glory to him. We move yeah. forward. We stay the course. For sure. For sure. Well, if you're listening on, uh, or if you're listening, then you might not see Brett's shirt, but if you're watching on YouTube, you see it. And it's more than just a shirt. It says baseball is fun. Um, Brett, can you kind of talk a little bit about where that comes from and what the heart behind <laughs> what you're wanting to create with that is? Yeah, I appreciate you asking about it. So baseball is fun. Uh, it came about after the World Series in my interview, after I just about passed out, I said, man, baseball is fun. Not even thinking about it. And uh, for the next couple weeks after, everyone was just like, that's that's the, the best quote ever, right? Like baseball is fun. We love this. And at the time, my wife was selling jewelry at Golden Diamond Source. And I, I got with my, my wife and I sat down and we were like, you know, we should really create something with baseball is fun and make it somewhat of like a movement where there's because you you probably have seen this. There, there's a lot going on in youth sports right now with parents putting way too much pressure on the their kids to perform. They think like with travel sports and you know, you see all these videos on the internet where parents are yelling at umpires and parents are yelling at, at kids and stuff. And it's just unacceptable. And, you know, I've never, never had to deal with that as a kid. And the main reason why I'm a Major League Baseball player today is obviously God, but my parents never put that kind of pressure on me. So <laughs> I took out a piece of paper, printer paper, and I wrote baseball is fun one time. And uh, that's the logo you've got. And I said, all right, babe, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to make a couple hundred shirts. We're probably only going to sell some to uh, our friends and family, but that's okay. It'll be cool. See if we can make a business out of this. And uh, if you want to leave your job, you, you can. We can you, you can make your own hours. This will be all yours. You're the CEO. You know, I'll just market it. I'll just market it. And so we we went live in in like 30 seconds they were gone wow. right people absolutely loved it so now <laughs> here we are we're coming up on a year and uh baseball is fun it's just doing a great job and through that we've been able to help with like charities brie and i uh, partnered with the children's dream fund and in the raise we took 10 kids with life-threatening illnesses to Bush Gardens, which is an amusement park the other day, yeah. um, and just had a great time. And giving back to the community is uh, <laughs> what it's all about. Again, I am so blessed to be a major league baseball player. We are called when we are blessed to bless others. And so that is just what ultimately we're trying to do. And through it all, remind parents, hey, baseball is fun. Sports are fun. Stop thinking, stop putting so much pressure on your kids to perform. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. And it's even like the verse, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Um, well, man, last thing I want to ask you, this has seriously been one of my favorite conversations just because it really is just a conversation, you know. I don't, I don't really view this as me interviewing you. You know, I really just look at this as a conversation. And I've learned so much about you in the span of, I don't know, 45 minutes. And this has just been, it's been super awesome. And, uh, yeah, something that we, that we do on the podcast is, you know, we get each guest to give a physical and a spiritual challenge. And, just trying to keep people engaged. And like I said, I never really know how many people are actually doing them. Um, but it's just something fun to do. You know, it keeps me active. It keeps me in the Word. It keeps me in all these different things. So with all that to say, what physical and spiritual challenge do you have for the week? Oh, man, Christian. <coughs> Thank you for having me. It's uh, speaking to 
to men like you who, who, who love the Lord and are passionate about sports and working out. It's, it's always fun. I want to tell you a quick story that I think you'll really enjoy uh, before I, I get into that. Yesterday, it just happened yesterday. Uh, my, my mentor, who's a, who's a pastor in Tampa, his name is JJ. He texts me and my wife. He says, hey, I've got a really cool God story for you. I think you'll really enjoy it. And so we call him up. I say, JJ, what's going on? And he says, hey, listen, you know, you remember that interview we did two years ago. So I went to his church and I gave my testimony after the World Series hit, uh-huh. got to talk about my faith. And <laughs> he said, you remember that interview? I said, sure do. He goes, well, one of my assistants is in Chicago right now because her parent is super sick. And the doctor working with my, my parent is a huge Brett Phillips fan. And wow. I asked him and I said, you know, wh- wh- why do you like Brett Phillips? And he goes, oh, I just, I, I love the way he, you know, plays the game. He's always so happy. He's always having a good time. <clears throat> and she goes, well, can I send you an interview that I think you will enjoy of Brett Phillips? And he goes, yes, of 100%. So Christian, this man watches this interview about my testimony and the next day, JJ says that he, he comes back and he's in tears and he's like, I, I want to know Jesus, wow. right? I, like, I want what, what Brett's got, like, wh- wh- how do I get there? And uh, she, he accepted Christ into his life and um, he, he goes to Easter and he made his whole family at Easter dinner, watch the hour long interview. And right, like the, the whole family's like, yeah, we like, we want that, right? <laughs> and I say that because interviews like this, yeah. you know, people may be just searching Brett Phillips or Christian, like, you know, like searching our name and then finding themselves listening to a podcast like this. Yeah. And it's just really cool that no matter if it's tomorrow or two years from now, someone, you know, may see this and, you know, want to dedicate themselves, to, uh, you know, accept, you won't accept Christ in their life. So I thought you would, you would enjoy that. And that's awesome. That, I mean, <laughs> And that speaks more volumes in a way than, you know, the than the hit in and of itself, you know. Somebody actually Amen. accepting Christ and, and coming to know the Lord is, is the most important thing that we can that we can help people do. So to my point with your challenge, um, if there is somebody who is listening for the first time and you know, they came across this podcast because they saw my name or baseball is fun and they're like, I don't I don't really know about all this, Brett. I, listen, I have sympathy. I have empathy. I, I totally understand. All I want to encourage you to do for your challenge is one, once a day or night, wh- whenever you have time, head on over to YouTube, type in testimonies, type in you know how, the, how God has worked through other people in their life. I challenge you to listen to good stories, true stories of people who, who have been down on their luck who have been broken and have found God and how he has worked through their life. And you may see yourself, you may find yourself gravitating towards wanting what, you know, to feel that or to, and I just want to encourage you to just listen to stories. If you haven't (laughs) gotten to the point yet where you want to accept Christ into your life. Second thing, physically fit your, your physical well-being is, 
just as important as your mental, as your spiritual, as your emotional. And I want to encourage you, if you're like, Brett, man, this whole working out isn't isn't for me, you know, find, find 30 minutes in your lunch break or maybe at night before you shower to walk around your neighborhood or, you know, walk, just go outside and, and, and give, give me 30 minutes of your time to, to find some type of physical activity. And I promise it's going to help with stress. It's going to help with anxiety. It's going to help with depression, whatever it may be. It's, it, you know, it's going to make it less because of what is going on internally in your body, releasing endorphins, you know, re- releasing ser- whatever serotonin, whatever it may be that working out um it comes from but definitely highly encourage want to encourage you to do that so yeah that's my my challenge for people who have come in here and uh have listened to it all the way through there you go well brett i love those challenges man thank you so much for joining me on the fort men podcast um you are awesome and and i want to make this hot yoga thing happen one day we uh we'll have to look into it Dude, you got my number. Let's keep in touch. Seriously, I appreciate you so much for having me, sticking through the technical difficulties. And man, God bless to you and your wife and uh, sending you all the blessings. Thank you, man.